lacrosse fans to the third episode of the Utah Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Haslam, the current Sports Information Director for the Utah Men's Lacrosse Team. It's finally game week, fans, and after months of preparation, we take to the road on Wednesday to Southern California for a three-game and four-day stretch. The 2018 season will officially kick off on Thursday against number 10 Cal Poly. On Saturday, a showdown with Arizona followed by number 3 Cal on Sunday will complete the trip and will be a great opening weekend. Joining the podcast today is assistant coach Marcus Holman. For those who don't know, Marcus is the son of head coach Brian Holman, who was our guest on the first episode of this podcast. Marcus currently plies his trade for the Ohio Machine, where he won the MLL Championship last year. He is a prolific scorer, tying for third overall in total points last season in the MLL with 34 goals and 15 assists. He was also named to Team USA for the 2018 FIL World Championship this summer. Marcus went to the University of North Carolina, where he was just as decorated. Marcus graduated in 2013 as a three-time All-American and a 2013 Tawaratan finalist. He won the Turnbull Trophy as the Tar Heels' most valuable player for three consecutive years and most valuable offensive player for two years. He earned first-team All-America honors and was named ACC Rookie of the Year in 2010. Welcome to the show, Coach. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Um, thanks for, for reading off my accolades. <laughs> Got to might have to downsize my head after all those. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here. Uh, I think the first two episodes have been great, and looking forward to this one. <clears throat> yeah, thanks for coming on. I, uh, you know, we were running through uh, sort of the coaching staff at first. We'll get some players on here in the next couple weeks. Um, we've got uh, we've got games this week, though, yeah. Coach. How does that feel? <laughs> it feels great. Uh, I think. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, um, you know, you're anxious to see uh, what your guys uh, can do on a field against a different opponent. Um, for me, this has been probably the longest preseason I've been a part of. We've been going at it for this will be four and a half weeks uh, with, with no scrimmages um, and no games. So, again, I you know, I feel a little anxious. I know the rest of our staff does. I'm sure our guys are, are really excited to, to go against a team in a different colored jersey and and again, you know, for them, it's it's where does our hard work stack up? Um, you know, what do we need to get better at? And I think this weekend will will provide those those challenges for us, and we're excited for sure. Sure. Um, let's let's talk just about these upcoming games. Uh, so, like I said in the intro, number ten Cal Poly is first. We play them on Thursday, and then we have Arizona on Saturday at the Pac-12 Shootout, and then number three Cal. Uh, on Sunday, what yeah. uh, what do we know about those opponents? If anything, what are we what are we looking to to do against them? Yeah, we're we're breaking down some Cal Poly film right now. Um, they had a big win last weekend over Nevada, um, Arizona. Nothing on them right now, and then Cal will continue to build that scout. I think we'll be their fourth or fifth game. So, um, you know, I think each team will will present different challenges. Cal Poly's, you know, annually a really good um, MCLA team. Um, Arizona will, you know, that'll be an exciting game as well. And then Cal um, is the only one of those teams that we played last year, and they really gave it to us out there uh, in California. So I think the returning guys on our team will, will be fired up for that one. Um, and, again, you know, just a, a chance to, to see where we're at. We play two top ten teams. Um, and, you know, win, lose, or draw, I think we're going to play really hard. I think we're going to be excited. Um, and either way, you know, we, we've got to – learn and grow from these games and, and continue to refine um, what the 2018 version of, of Utah lacrosse is going to look like um, this spring. Uh, 
<clears throat> Talking about uh, the, the team, um, you know, you're obviously very involved on the offensive side because that's what your background's <laughs> in, right? Um, talk to us about some of the guys coming back on the offensive end of the field. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I look first to, to guys like the Stout brothers, uh, Josh, and, Josh and Jake. Um, I think they were our two leading point scorers last year. Jake obviously had a tough, tough injury to his shoulder. Um, that sidelined him last year. But um, those guys are leaders. Um, I look at Gus Colonna, Aaron Felstead as, as guys as well that have done just a great job this preseason and throughout the fall, um, you know, leading the younger guys, communicating, um, and really just, you know, doing what the coaches are asking of them on a daily basis. Um, so those guys are, you know, kind of our, our core guys. Um, you know, Ian Elson's back as kind of a role player, Cam Redmond. Uh, another guy is just like a Swiss Army knife. Cam does cause, does anything that we ask of him. Um, he, he's going to see a lot of playing time because he just continue, continues to get better and better uh, as we um, have finished up the preseason here. So got a good core group of returners um, that I think have done a great job leading and performing on the field as well. Sure. So, so two things come to mind in that regard. Um, one is, so Aaron Felstead has been moved from, he played attack last year right. and moved to midfield this year. He played a little bit of midfield at the end of last season. What kind of went into that decision and, and how was he taking it? You know, attackmen are typically, uh, as you know, the, you know, kind of the, not prideful is the wrong word, but you know what I'm getting at. Right. They're, they're typically the, you know, we want to stay as attackmen, you know, and yeah. so, you know, to go to midfield, what, what was that conversation like with Aaron and, and how has he been handling it? I mean, it, it was hardly a conversation. I think with Aaron, he felt like he could, you know, serve the team better at midfield and the coaches felt the same way. Um, just to use his ability in between the lines with ground balls, playing defense. Um, Aaron's a guy that, that really prides himself, on, I think, on being a lacrosse player first. Sure. Uh, sure. And then you can label him whatever position you want after that. You know, he's experimented on, on the man down team this fall. He's experimented <laughs> on the man up team. Sure. I think he had a pole in his hand at one practice. So, uh, again, talk about a guy that's willing to do whatever for his teammates. Um, so I think that, that transition was, was very smooth for him. And then, you know, we added a couple lefty attackmen in, in Bo Powell um, out of Atlanta, Georgia, and Cole Watson, a, a kid out of Dallas, Texas. So uh, they're competing for that left-handed spot. It, it's been a healthy competition. And I think, again, just to better serve the team, Aaron's, you know, much better off running around in the middle of the field making making things happen. Sure. And and it, for all those who know Aaron, that's that's totally his personality yep. for sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, this this current offense is um, you you are number one in the – that's your jersey number yep. in the MLL. Um, that was Wills until he got traded yeah. <laughs> to New York. Uh, but, but you you know, that that's kind of – you've kind of instituted the number one jersey as kind of like the top attackman, the yeah. special attackman. What went into that? Um, you know, how was that decision made? Yeah. Um, you know, Will and I definitely decided that uh, we thought Josh was, was rightfully deserving of, of wearing number one um, to be a guy that, that we saw on that attack end that just does all the little things right. Um, and I think it starts with his energy, his speed, his pace of play, his, his riding ability. Um, Josh is, is, you know, one of the best riding attackmen I've ever coached, I've ever seen play. Um, and he, he's a special player just because of how much he cares, I think. And, and you'll watch him play, and you'll say he's, he's at a different level than maybe some of his teammates or guys that he plays against. So, um, you know, number one is, is special to me. Uh, again, I wore that at North Carolina. I've worn it um, for Ohio. I've worn it for Team USA. Um, to me, it represents 
Um, you know, if you're going to wear that number, I think you've, you've got to be the, the hardest working guy or, or a guy that, that is constantly producing. Um, because I think that number in itself draws a little bit of attention sure. uh, to you. You know, if, if, if you look at another team's roster, it's the, the first guy you see. Sure. Um, you know, if that, that guy's starting, whether it's a midfield or attack or defense, you know, it, it, it draws attention. Um, so I think it, it's a, you have to be willing to accept that attention and, and be willing to work really hard and, and produce and, and uh, you know, make your teammates better. So. Perfect. Yeah. Um, Last year you kind of ran, uh, you know, you, we, you know, you have uh, obviously Coach Holman is running the running the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you had uh, Gitz kind of on the defensive end. How do you and Will kind of work that offensive end? You know, you kind of ran the substitution box last year. Are you going to do that again this year? But then what kind of goes into to what kind of, you know, who who is it a joint effort in the yeah. uh, decision making or is it there? Does one have a little more say than the other? So I think, I think just kind of a general point about our staff is that there's so much transparency and I think you know coach Holman has has done a phenomenal job with that Um, you know we all kind of know what's going on whether it's on the offensive end defensive end facing off Um, we're all very involved in in the strategies that we want to implore uh, for our team and I think um, you know with Will and I we we just see eye to eye on a lot of things in in what we like as offensive concepts in what we like in recruits and guys that we want to, to kind of fit into a scheme. So it's it, there's really not a lot of butting heads. Obviously, we'll have our disagreements on, on some minor issues, but you know, generally we we Will and I, you know, kind of grew up on under um, some strong coaching, and, and we play the same way, right? Yeah. Like the ball's out of our stick. We we like to play off ball. We're, we're I think we're team guys first, um, and, and that's kind of how we want our offense to run. So. Um, you know, we, we both are, are constantly watching. We're watching a lot of basketball, seeing sure. you know, how can we be different? How can we be different than, than just a normal alley dodging offense? Um, you know, what are, what are some certain plays that, that could, could work for us and get the ball in our hands of our, our best players at, at certain times in the game? So, um, you know, it's an ongoing process. And, you know, sometimes I'll jump down with Coach Gitz and I'll help him out with, with pick play. Um, and work with our defensemen on, hey, what does an attackman see when, when they're setting picks? Sure. So it kind of gives those defensive guys a, a little change of perspective. Um, and I think it, it's been healthy for us. Um, Coach Manny and I are actually going to switch roles this year. He's going to be running the substitution box, which, which he did at Wagner, so he mm-hmm. has some experience there. Um, and I'll be able to, to, to float a little bit more. And, and, and we're both going to continue to work together to make you know those in-game adjustments that are that are crucial, those halftime adjustments. So, um, you know, just kind of relating back to the point of, of the transparency of the staff, it's it's been really really cool. I've learned a lot more about defense, um, the face-off thing. I'm I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on up there. I'm not really sure what those guys are doing, but sure. um, yeah, it, it's been wonderful and it's been a great relationship so far. Now you live with Will and, and Coach Kitts. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's it like living with them? Do you uh, you know, I, I I think people kind of envision you guys talking about lacrosse 24-7. <laughs> Is that the case? Or do you guys uh, kind of do other things, kind of talk about other stuff? Yeah, maybe not like 24-7, but like 18-7. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's usually a lacrosse game mm-hmm. rolling on the TV, whether it's um, something we, ju- we just recorded. You know, Will and I sat around last night and watched Towson play Hopkins from ESPNU on Saturday. Um, you know, sometimes we'll throw on some throwback games, whether yeah. it's Will playing in, in the Long Island State champ- or Long Island Championship with St. Anthony's or, yeah. you know, one of my games at, at UNC. It doesn't really matter. We'll, we'll 
constantly be again searching for for new ideas or um, you know some some old tough players that we admire and and how can we get our guys to to play more like you know those guys that we we loved. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of of spitballing ideas. Um, some stick, some don't. Sure. But um, again, you know we're we're trying to grow. I think we we do a good job of of balancing. You know when when we're working, quote unquote working, and and when it's it's time to relax because I think that that is is a gray yeah, area when sure. you, when your your sure. home is your office. Yeah. Um, so I think I think the guys have done a good job balancing that. What's it like uh, coaching with your dad? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a dream come true. Yeah. Um, I, I think he he said something similar mm-hmm. in his podcast, and uh, you know I, I still pinch myself sometimes when I when I wake up and we walk out on the garage field the sun's coming up and you know I have I have my father right right there yeah. um, and I think more so to see how passionate he is and to see you know again he I know he talks about 30 years of experience really um, coming to fruition out here is 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 just so incredibly special and it's so gratifying for me um, to, to see him like that you know he's he's coached me my whole life yeah. um, you know, and, and we've had a, a really good relationship. And now to be on the same staff together um, with the same goal in mind and, and the same vision is, is special. And I, I learned so much from that guy. I mean, he's he's very smart. Um, he, he has a, a plenty of wisdom, as I think you've you've sure. learned yeah. um, just it, when you talk to him. So it's, it's very special. I'm very thankful for it. Uh, he did mention in, in his podcast as well that, you know, he does see you, you and Will and Gitz becoming a, a head coach one day. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you think is 20 years down the road, maybe 10 years down the road? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it certainly took him him a long time. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have that in me. I, I You know, I've always, um, I've always been a guy that's kind of gravitated towards the front of the line, uh, a guy that's not afraid to, to step up and make a decision, be decisive when it comes to leadership, uh, or um, a, a guy that – um, is is has a vision for for where he wants to take his his teammates and and, and players. So I think that's something that um, down the down the down the road could be in the future for sure. Whether it's three, five, ten years, I'm not really sure, but sure. Um, it's definitely something I think about. And again, you know, taking pieces of how you know pops. I call him pops yeah, yeah. for for those listeners <laughs> out there. How he is running his organization, how, you know, my college coach ran it, how my high school coach ran it, and, and just, like, compiling kind of my vision of, of you know, what I would have if, if I was at the, the head of the ship. So I think that those are all learning experience. And, um, again, time will tell, but I'm not going to say anything right now. I'm sure. very happy where I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I still need to learn a lot. I don't, I don't think I'd be ready to, to be a head coach of a, of a Division One program right now. So um, time will tell. Sure. Do you uh, so? I mean, last year when you when you came in with with Will and Gitz, and obviously your dad, um, you know, your dad had lots of college experience. Will had experience at Wagner. Uh, Coach Gitz had experience at Harvard. Did you feel like you were the bottom of the totem pole in, in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously coaching experience, mm-hmm. or do you feel like you were able to keep up and and uh, you know, kind of kind of keep tabs? Yeah, with them? yeah. Uh, de- I mean, definitely from an experience standpoint, like you mentioned. Um, and, and for me, you know, it's just been, it's been journaling, it's sure. been taking notes, um, and just, just trying to learn from these guys every day and they all bring something extremely different to the table. And I'm, I'm again, grateful, uh, gratitude being one of our pillars. I'm, I'm very grateful for those guys and, 
how helpful they've been, you know, whether it's Adam um, cutting up film, whether it's Will um, just talking about schemes and, and recruiting, uh, and then, you know, pops from a, a managerial standpoint of, of how to run things. I've just tried to take in all the information from them and, and, and uh, you know, and put it to use on my own end. And I think I bring something different to the table than those guys do, you know, in terms of, of um, just being passionate about the game. And, and um, you know, I think from building up an individual skills skills level and technique and things like that. So uh, I think we all bring something different to the table. And that's why we're, we work well together. Sure. Uh, let's track. So I, I feel we've covered kind of the Utah section and we talked a little bit, you know, about some coaching stuff. Let's transition into sort of the, the general segment of the, of the show. Uh, tell us, tell us your origin story. Tell us, I, I mean, you come from a lacrosse family, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, being the middle child uh, between Matt and Sydney. Um, you know, were you one of those kids that uh, grew up with a stick in your hand at, at age two or three, you know, and just tell us kind of uh, when you fell in love with the, the sport and, and yeah, your origin story. I joke with people that I came out of the womb with a, a stick sure. in my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, again, you know, you mentioned both my parents played Division One. My mom, uh, Lori, played at Towson. She mm-hmm. played tennis and lacrosse. And I believe if you go back and check the records, 1982, she was their uh, leading goal scorer. Okay. I think she had 24, <laughs> 25 goals, something like that. And then Brian played at Hopkins. Um, you know, my and then all three of our, our siblings went on to play collegiate lacrosse. But I was a kid that um, I wouldn't say lacrosse was like my first love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved sports. I just yeah. loved playing. You know, whether it was dodgeball at school or you know. Um, handball or wall ball or football, flag football, soccer, golf, tennis, whatever it was. Um, if you gave me an opportunity to go run around and, and, you know, compete uh, to try and win something, I I was, I was the first guy there. So, um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough Hollins Avenue in in Baltimore where I grew up, we had, I think three or four, three or four acres of land. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of it was hilly, but we had this nice little flat Valley uh, that had this weeping willow like overhanging it and we had you know two goals down there um, and we lived a mile and a half from where I went to lower school boys Latin so on Friday afternoons I would invite some of my friends over you know we'd walk back to our house and we would just play in the yard honestly yeah. until the sun went down um, and then you know on days on weekdays I would walk home from school as well and um, you know, I, my passion started gravitating more towards, um, you know, lacrosse and football and basketball. Those were the three sports I played in, in high school. But, you know, lacrosse-wise, I would walk back and I would get, you know, a couple balls in my stick and I'd go down in our yard and I would shoot sometimes until I would just, like, fall asleep <laughs> sure. in the yard. Like, when the weather was really nice, I would just shoot lacrosse balls and then I'd, like, fall over and just take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mom would have to call me up for dinner. But I think my, my love um, for sports was, was started at a young age. Um, you know, I think, I think moving – it's funny, thinking back on it, I wanted to play college football. Uh, but I realized, I think, as a freshman in high school, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm athletic yeah. enough for sure. this. Sure. Um, you know, if you look at my career, I've never been the biggest guy, the fastest yeah. guy, the strongest guy. Um, so I, I think when I was around a freshman, I uh, I gravitated towards the cross, and I really just dove into that. And, and it's, you know, it's taken over my heart for sure. The sport has given me so much in my life. I mean, it, it's putting me in the seat today out in Salt Lake City. Like, I never would have imagined that 
I would be out here coaching at a at a new Division One program at a major Pac-12 school. Like, sure. That yeah. still is 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 amazing to me, and, and all the places that I've traveled to and the people that I met uh, just continue uh, to amaze me. So, I just want to give back to the sport honestly as much as I can, and, and whether that's coaching or, or running clinics, um, traveling to, to foreign countries and, and helping yeah. grow the game there, or and and then you know continuing to play. I'm very fortunate that I can still run around and play and compete at the highest level and. Anytime I strap up, I just want to respect the game and, and play it as hard as I can. And um, so, yeah, kind of a long-winded answer, but yeah, no, and that that sparked a lot of different uh, a lot of different segues. So it sounded like you wanted to be a football player yeah. in, initially, but eventually chose lacrosse. Um, were were you set on on going to North Carolina, or did you have other schools in mind? You you grew up watching Maryland, I'm Hopkins, assuming? Hopkins. That's yeah. right, right. So. Um, Kind of, kind of walk us through the the recruitment process and, and how you eventually chose North Carolina. Yeah, I I grew up three miles from Homewood Field. Yeah. Um, Kyle Harrison, Paul Rabel, those guys were my idols. Adam Doniger, uh, I'm not sure he'll he'll be listening to this podcast, <laughs> but Adam Doniger was was a beast uh, for Johns Hopkins back in the early 2000s. But um, yeah, I was fortunate enough. Um, I started at, at Gilman as a sophomore. Uh, which I think is is a pretty big deal at yeah. an MIAA school like that. You know, you could argue the toughest high school lacrosse conference in the country. And, uh, you know, I had a, a good summer going into my junior year, good summer going into my, uh, my senior year that following year. But I narrowed it down to a couple schools, um, North Carolina being one, Johns Hopkins being two, Notre Dame was three, Princeton was four, um, now those were in no particular order. I visited sure. all those schools. Yeah. I took my first visit to, to North Carolina, and and truthfully, uh, when I left that place, I, I knew that it was where I wanted to go in yeah. my heart. Yeah. Um, I still had those other visits lined up, and sure. I took them. But I almost like committed to myself. I was like, I'm, I love this place. Yeah. Like I, uh, just just the combination of how beautiful it was, and and I thought academically it would challenge me. Um, and then I, I felt just an opportunity to, uh, you know, bring some life back to a North Carolina program that had been struggling for, for a couple of years. Um, and then, yeah, you know, when I made that decision, that was like January of my, my junior year. So relatively late nowadays, yeah, but yeah. Uh, that was about on, on par um, for back then. And then, you know, when I committed, I think – my mindset flipped again, um, and I don't know if, if this is just me or other people think this way, but to me, when I committed, I wanted to make sure that when people came and watched me play, they their mindset was, wow, like North Carolina's getting a stud. It wasn't like, damn, that kid's going to North Carolina, really? Like, sure. how did he get recruited sure. there, you know? Yeah. So, like, in a weird way that I worked so hard and, and really pushed myself so that, you know, when, when – I, that's such a weird way to think, I guess, but um, it, it helped drive me. Um, I wanted to leave a good impression. I wanted to make sure that um, you know people people were uh, excited that UNC was was getting a good player. So that was kind of how my mindset shifted after I committed. Because I think that's not maybe a problem, but I feel like some kids committing now as freshmen or sophomores, sure. you know, maybe they take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Yeah, which is is. <laughs> I almost did like the opposite. Like I worked even harder after right. I, after I committed. So right. just kind of a random tidbit there. No, yeah. What what are some things that you look for uh, when you're out on the recruiting yeah. trail? What do you what do you look for in a kid? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think IQ is is 
something you know every coach says and looks for um, and is just so important. I think you can teach you can teach the game to a kid at, at a, to a certain level once sure. they get to the, the college level. But if those habits are, are built into them, you know, as, as a seventh, eighth grader, ninth grader, 10th grader, you're going to see that, that skill um, on display as a junior or a senior. So IQ, I mean, toughness, you know, I, I think I've told, I've talked to my dad and, and we recruited uh, this kid out of Washington. He, he said he saw him playing a tournament and it was, you know, maybe his fifth game and, in, in three days or something like that, and he was taking every wing of the face-offs at the end. He was getting ground balls. And, you know, those those types of kids are, I think, invaluable because um, you know that they're going to be working hard and, and setting the tone. So uh, toughness, IQ, and then, you know, obviously the skills, I think, um, you know, are, are not easy to spot, but, like, you can you can tell when a kid has it or doesn't. Um, and then I think even even further than that, getting to know the, the kid off the field. Yeah. Like, does he first of all like does he want to play division one lacrosse? I think right. some of these kids play on club teams or like think they really want this this dream, but you know, once you get here on campus as a freshman, like it's it's tough. You have a big time commitment. Um and I, I don't want to scare anybody away, but you know, you give a lot of yourself to, to your team. And I think if, if you don't really love the sport of lacrosse, if you don't love competition, yeah if you don't have that growth mindset that I'm going to commit to this and I'm going to grow from this, then it, it's going to be a struggle for you. So I think those, a lot of factors go into it, but, but getting to know um, if the kid really, really wants this and wants to be a part of it is very important. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, what, uh, what would you consider your, your greatest lacrosse accomplishment so far? Um, I think – I think making Team USA uh, individually was was really tough. I think the first round, um, I was I was the youngest player on the team, yeah. and that was a really really long, um, maybe drawn out tryout process. And I think I, I just dove right in. I committed fully to it. Um, I was definitely in, in the best shape of my life, and then. Uh, you know, again, to, to be named to the roster for this summer for the 2018 World Games was just as, as humbling and, and uh, gratifying. Um, I think maybe John Wood had said it, it takes hard work to get you to the top. It takes character to, to keep you there. Um, and I'm just looking forward to, to uh, competing again, you know, wearing my country's colors and, and hopefully bringing back gold this time, I think. There's definitely a little bit of a revenge factor for, <laughs> for sure. sure after the, the 2014 games, you know, getting the silver medal. And, again, you know, Canada just rightfully earned their gold. You yeah. know, they're a, a really, really prolific country right now when it comes to lacrosse, indoor and outdoor. So we're going to have our work cut out for us. It's going to be really, really fun. I'm excited to travel to go to Tel yeah. Aviv. Again, talking about lacrosse taking me places I, sure. I never would imagine that I've, I've, I would go to. But – um, individually that I would say those two things. And then, um, you know, last summer winning the MLL championship was, was a really special moment for me, uh, you know, coming into the MLL and, and going two and 12, our first year in Ohio, uh, was tough. I was running midfield. I didn't really know what was going on. I was again, talk about a, a deer in, in the headlights and to, and to build that program up, um, you know, to, to make the playoffs then lose, then, 
um, two years ago to be in the championship, to be up by seven in a championship game and, and eventually lose that was, was really heartbreaking. And then um, it just kind of was a really good culmination of, of my, my first five years in the MLL. And um, I, w- I was really excited to share that with my teammates, you know, guys like Tom Schreiber and, and Dominique Alexander, Scotty Rogers, Jake Bernhardt. Those were some of the guys that were there from that, that initial season. So sure. that was special. And then finally going back, to 2013 winning the ACC championship at, at UNC was yeah. at the time was really really special and it still means a lot to me I wish that season would have ended a little bit differently and, sure. and we could have maybe gotten back to the final four or a championship but um, to reel off 10 straight like that to win the ACC's uh, was I mean just I, I love that team that team was so incredible to me uh, I still think about it all the time how much fun we had <laughs> yeah. and, and we were we were so loose, but we were so focused that we you know when we would step out on the field on game day, it was just so much fun. Uh, we we fed off each other, and uh, that was a special run there that culminated in that ACC championship. Sure. Uh, b- before the before the podcast, we talked a little bit about the the MLL, and we want to do an MLL podcast later. But what's a, what's a typical you know for the fans out there, um, you know what's a what's a typical weekend look like uh, when you're playing for an MLL team? Say, say you're traveling to play Atlanta. What, okay. what would that look like? Um, so if, if the machine were playing in Atlanta, that'd be nice because I think I'd have a direct flight from okay. Salt Lake city to, to sure. Atlanta. Um, there are no directs right now from Salt Lake city to Columbus where I play my home <laughs> games. Okay. So I'm usually laying over in a city for that. But um, you know, Friday is, is travel. Again, traveling west to east, you're, you know, I lose almost mm-hmm. half the day. Um, get in, um, get to the hotel, maybe take a quick nap, uh, and then we have practice at night. Um, that can be at 8 or 9 o'clock. And then, uh, we'll, we'll, again, you're trying to just build as much camaraderie in that you know 48-hour window that you're together. So, you know, our team does does some different things that maybe other teams do. Maybe we don't, but we try to keep the phones away when we're eating um, so guys can catch up. We keep the phones away when we're on the bus uh, and really just dedicating that time to, to bonding um, mm-hmm. and getting to know each other better. Sure. Because I think at the end of the day that uh, – sorry, I know I'm going off on a tangent yeah. here, but I guess that's, <laughs> that's, the that's point. what podcasts are for. <laughs> that's right. Um, you can allow me to ramble a little bit, but um, – successful teams just they want to play for each other mm-hmm. like you're you know if if i want to make plays not only for myself but for the you know 1920 and then at the collegiate level the 45 guys that yeah. uh, are behind me and that i've i've bled with and that i've sweat with and that we've worked out at 5:45 in the morning and worked out at 12 p.m at, or, right. sorry 12 a.m at night right. um so trying to trying to build that that camaraderie in such a short window is tight. I think that's one of the toughest pieces about the MLL is mm-hmm. that you don't have those daily practices sure. um, to get that chemistry down. So, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season will be devoted to that. But then, you know, just moving through a weekend, you'll wake up Saturday morning, uh, get breakfast. We'll have a walkthrough, which is pretty light. Um, and then, you know, my, my game day routine has, has changed a little bit over – over the years, it used to be, you know, walk through is done, come back to the hotel and just lay in bed sure, for three sure. or four hours. Sure. Um, you know, in, in, cause I think you're, you're like, I want to rest my legs and mm-hmm. I want to rest my mind, but, uh, it, it's evolved a little bit to, to becoming more active. You know, I like to read and, and I'll do some work, which, which isn't too stressful to me. Yeah. I'll walk. There's a nice little, uh, 
lunch spot in Columbus for our home games that I like to walk down to and get some food. Um, and then it's game time. Games are usually about 7 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, and, you know, those MLL games are long. They have yeah. those TV timeouts yeah. after the, the nine-minute mark and the five-minute mark. So um, I think, again, learning how to deal with early success and maybe early – not early failures in games, mm-hmm. right, because of the shot clock, you can go up for nothing, you can go down for nothing. I right. think just being able to, to to just stay the course for sixty myth, sixty minutes. Um, you know, one of my mantras is that I say to myself is just stay with it. You know, if you were up four to two at the end of the first, just stay with it, keep going. You know, if we're down four to two, that's all right. Just stay with it. We're, sure. we're right there. Just you know, maybe the goalie made a couple of saves, maybe we hit a pipe. Um, just stay with it. So, you know, again, those. Just kind of recircling back to the the game day routine, um, I've actually started a special project where I've emailed uh, our the roster of Team USA right now and about fifteen to twenty other MLL players, just seeing what their game day routine is, and I'm 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 gonna compile kind of what I I see as trends and share that with with our Utah team in hopes that. You know, again, they because I think game day can be overwhelming for yeah. for a freshman that's starting. <laughs> sure. Um, or you know, maybe maybe some people get a little bit more nervous than others, and, yeah. and why is that? And you know, ah, I really wasn't wasn't dialed in for that game. Well, well, why? Let's let's break it down. Did you go through the steps that you need to go through to right. to get your mind completely focused on the game or, or not? And I think. So maybe it might help, maybe it won't, but I, th- I think our guys would be excited to read it. It's it's really been interesting for me reading about what guys do on game day and how they focus. Um, and there are a couple trends that that arise between you know breathing and um, you know positive self talk and, and visualization. I think was the one that sure. to me jumped out, where a, a lot of guys are saying, you know, I'll run through the entire game in my head before it even <laughs> starts, so that yeah. I'm comfortable with anything that happens, right? If, if we go up, if we go down, I've, I've kind of seen it in my mind already, so it doesn't phase me. And I, it's it's pretty, been pretty cool, and um, I hope our guys will, will enjoy that when I share it with them. Sure. So then after the game, it's back to the hotel? Yep. And, and Back to the hotel. Um, we'll get a team meal in to, together, and then Sunday um, you're flying out in yeah. the morning. Um, now I could be flying out to a recruiting event. I could be flying out to run a camp. I could be flying back to, to Salt Lake City. So it kind of depends on, on my schedule at the current time. This summer is going to be super hectic for me, just for sure. between recruiting and, and trying to run some camps and, and then traveling to, to Israel in July. Um, but I'm excited. I, I, I live for it. I mean, I love to travel. I don't mind it. I think um, it's funny. You're, you're constantly surrounded by a lot of people when you're in airports and, and on the plane. and um, But you're also, like, so – uh, independent, like right. you're on your own. You sure. Know, what what you do at that time is is up to you. And I found that reading and and uh, trying to journal and and um, trying to to learn as much as I can and and, and really just make that that travel time um, worthwhile. Sure, has been fun. Uh, I also also wanted to ask you about just the Team USA tryout process. You know, um, I think from the outside looking in, you know, it, it looks like it's you're flying into a, a central spot, so either Florida or, or somewhere, and then, um, you know, there's kind of these scrimmages that have been set up, whether it's with Maryland or whether it's against the other, you know, the other side of the squad. But 
is it the similar to the MLL where it's uh, team bonding, a lot, a lot of, a lot of preparation, or, or is Coach Janowski doing certain things with certain guys? How does that, how does that all work? Coach Janowski has been great throughout this entire yeah. process, um, and I think each event varies, uh, but you know he's done a nice job just keeping it light, mm-hmm. and we'll, he'll he'll mix in some team bonding stuff like he he showed like a Dave Chappelle comedy clip at okay. the beginning of one meeting just to yeah. keep, keep it light right because you know guys are trying out for tvsa oh my gosh everybody's yeah. on eggshells right he does a really nice job of just keeping the mood light and letting us focus on what we do best which is play the cross mm-hmm. uh, i think the the uh the process is is it's just i mean it's an honor to just be there sure. and just compete and play against the, the best players in the country um you know, I'm a firm believer, at least for me, is that the, the more I play, the better I get. The more mm-hmm. live reps I can, I can take. You know, I, I think I'll be able to rest. I'll be able to sleep when I'm when I'm dead. But right. I, I would love to get up and down the field and do one on ones and and really challenge myself to 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 be the best lacrosse player I can be. So I feel like whenever those weekends occur, you're just you know everybody brings out the best in each other, and uh, that's why it's it's so fun. I mean. Picking a roster of, of 23 guys is, I mean, you could field, you could probably field three USA sure. teams. Um, and it, either one of them would be able to compete right. for a gold medal. I think an idea that I passed on to Will and Adam um, throughout this, this whole process was when they made the, the training team of 48 guys, I think it was, yeah. um, was, to, was to just pick two teams and then have three events and just play a best out of three. And whoever wins <laughs> goes. Sure. Right? So, like, if yeah. your team wins, um, you know, you're, you're the team going to, to yeah. Israel. I think that would have been, like, a really – I know that's not how you sure. can do it, but <laughs> wouldn't you pay? It would be very, that game? Yeah, like, be very you, entertaining. Yeah, for I sure. like you'd be able to, to definitely generate some revenue. So, I don't know. That was a, a random thought I had because, again, the talent level is, is so high and yeah. uh, the competitiveness is, is crazy. Right. I think uh, I think you have a game in in LA. You have yeah. one in Texas and then one in Florida. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I'm loving this. Something. Maybe, maybe yeah. you can make trades at the after the first game. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. Additions. <laughs> that would be. Well, I feel sure. like yeah, that would just be. Oh my gosh, it'd be crazy. Yeah. Super competitive. Yeah, it would. Okay. Um, I in future podcasts we'll talk more about your experience with Team USA as we get a little closer and and maybe what that'll look like. We'll talk a lot about the MLL too as as that season uh, starts to gear up. Um, when we talked to Coach Gitz, he he said his uh, about lacrosse growing in the West. You know, there's some obvious answers, but he he said patience, and I really love that. I I thought that was really nice because everyone wants, I think you know everyone wants Stanford to announce that they're going to create a Division One team tomorrow, and and then everyone wants Cal and USC and UCLA. But what in your mind is is the key to growth for lacrosse in the West? <coughs> um. Patience is a good one. I yeah. think money. Sure, sure. <laughs> to be oh, yeah, it's real. Blatantly obvious about it. Um, but, I, you know, I think you're right, and I think I'm I'm in the group where, you know, I'll snap your fingers. Sure. I want it to happen now, now, now. But, um, you know, just realizing that relatively lacrosse is still a new sport to our country, and, and while it is growing at a rapid pace, there are still people – that I meet that I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I play professional lacrosse, and they're like, oh, there's a league? Sure, and, uh, sure. I'm like, yeah, and then, you know, it, it opens a, a brand-new discussion, but there's still people that, that aren't aware of that. So um, I think just realizing that that all great things take take a lot of time. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And sure. 
I, I do think that right now, just where we are um, with athletics and sports in our country, with, with you know, the NFL and football, maybe kind of, you know, leaving a, a sour taste in some people's sure. mouth about the, the rules and what is a catch and what is this <laughs> and, and how some of the, the players are behaving off the field. And um, I, I think the concussion issue is, is a real thing mm -hmm. that, uh, that is no longer being kind of swept under the rug. Um, I, and I think it, it really is, we're like almost at an apex right now because lacrosse is the only other sport that you can play um, on, a, on a field and run where there's physical contact. Sure. Rugby, you obviously don't have pads. Um, and hockey is, is uh, indoors on, on ice. Um, I can't skate. I don't know if you can. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but so I, th I think we're at a, a special special point i think if, if we, we all continue to push and, and you know every single person can help the sport of lacrosse grow uh i think i think from from a player standpoint from a coaching standpoint uh we, we all have a responsibility to to continue to push the game and and teach and coach as much as we can uh and um while that's nationally and internationally um so i think it's 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 exciting i think Again, you know, you look back to, to the NFL when the NFL was starting up um, and those guys had to work day jobs and then they had yeah. to go and, and yeah. play, uh, play football. So in regards to the West, yeah, I, I kind of got off, off tangent there again a little bit, but um, just realizing that we have, we have to continue to do our job and, and continue representing the sport in, in the right way. Um, and, and I think it, it'll come through time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. One one word that's come to mind while while we've talked about this is just consume. You know, I think it's important for people just mm -hmm. to consume the sport, whatever yeah. whatever that means for that person. You know, whether it's playing or coaching or refing or even just watching games. You know, I, I've made a personal commitment to watch yeah. more Division One lacrosse yeah. this season. You know, and um, obviously that's that's a little challenging with the family and right. and then obviously what we're doing with Utah. But that's been my goal, and so far I've I've really enjoyed it. You know. Um, watching teams that I would have never watched <laughs> in the yeah. past. So uh, it, it's been good. Um, talk about the your favorite pillar. Um, you know, I, I want to touch on pillars in, in every podcast if I can, but what's your favorite pillar and why? That's tough. I think uh, I saw that when you, you, you <laughs> pa passed on the outline. Yeah. Um, and, I, I, I mean, all of those words are, are special. I think humility is one that, that – pops into my head I think right off the bat um, you know being fortunate enough to, to have some individual success in the sport and to also have some team success I think uh, you know remaining humble um, remaining focused on others um, instead of yourself you know I think the best way that humility was described to me I don't know where I heard this but um, it, it, the quote was that humility is not thinking less of yourself it's thinking of yourself less so I think just just making sure that other people are the, the center point of your lives um, because I think we can all get caught up looking in the mirror sometimes uh, and, and not the right way um, after something successful happens or um, you know you, you, you have a big breakthrough at your job or you know you, you score eight goals in a game like you have so many people patting you on the back all the time that it's important to just remain grounded and realize that um, you know, you're, you're not everything that you think you are sometimes uh, when sure. that, that confidence gets big. I think it's funny. Moving out here has been uh, 
humbling for me, I think. Like I mentioned, meeting people. Sure. Um, they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I coach lacrosse at, at University of Utah. I also play professionally. And they say, oh, like pro- professional lacrosse? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, like that's cool. Sure. Tell me more about it. Like what yeah. is it? Um, yeah. Versus where I'm from in Baltimore, you know, if, if you walk down the street, people know where you went to college and high right. school and your, your right. stat line and stuff like that. So it's right. just a little a different perspective. Um, I know, again, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but humility one, is one for me that, that I try to just implement into my life every day, along with the others. Um, yeah. You know, gratitude, sure. passion. I think passion would be the second one for me, just showing up sure. every day, passionate. I mean, I, I love this sport, again, as I've told you. Um, I love trying to inspire younger players. I love trying to inspire our, our guys at Utah. Um, so humility and passion, I think, would be would be tied. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. uh, that's one of the things that stood out to me about about the coaching staff in general, um, you know, because, uh, you know, I've watched, I watched your games before you came here, you know, I watched everyone's games and, um, you know, it's just like, wow, these guys are legit extreme competitors, mm-hmm. you know. And then we sit down and, and get to know each other and, and – uh, maybe that isn't so obvious just in having like a one-on-one conversation, you right. know? And so I think that, um, it, I think that people who are passionate are, are that way, you know, in certain situations they're they're just another guy, but then once they hit their, you know, once they get in their field, once they get in their expertise, it, you can see that passion yeah. really come out. Yeah. And I think, I think it's okay. Like as I've grown, just being able to kind of separate those two, you mm-hmm. know, your, yeah. your, your playing career from your coaching career, from your personal life, sure. um, yeah. you know, they all don't have to intermingle. Um, you know, I've moving out here, I've developed some hobbies that I, I wouldn't have thought I'd been into. I, I go to yoga once a week, um, out here. And for me, obviously it's a great physical activity, but for me, it's, it's just very calming. And it's, if you think about, if you watched me play and the way that I play, it's like the complete one. Yeah, exactly. Of, exactly. Right. You're like you're supposed to lie on your mat and sit still. <laughs> and if you watch me play, I'm out like screaming and yelling and, right, and celebrating right. and, and diving all over the place. So it's, it's been cool discovering that side and then being able to ski out here mm-hmm. in Salt Lake city, um, going up to snowbird or, or park city or whatever it is. Um, so I think again, separating those areas of, of, of your life is, is important. I think. Sure. Uh, any any other thoughts on, on anything before I get to the rapid-fire questions? Hit me. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so I call these the rapid-fire questions, okay. but uh, the last two guests have not been so rapid in their answers. So yeah. feel free to take as long okay. as you want. Maybe I should call them the not-so-rapid-fire <laughs> questions. But uh, So so you had, you uh, wanted to know what the favorite field that Coach Gilman had played on or coached on. So I'm going to ask you that same question. Okay. Um, I know he said, I listened to his, he said Capilone Park in, yep. in Hawaii. That would probably be number one. Okay. Uh, when we did our, our clinic in Barcelona, Spain, uh, there's a, a awesome turf set up that yeah. is literally right on the beach. Like there's sand underneath <laughs> the, the concrete. Instead of the, the black pebbles, yeah, it's yeah, sand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, when, we, when we did our clinic there, uh, we suited up on the last day. I threw on a helmet and gloves and shoulder pads and ran around the guys and literally played a game of lacrosse and then went and jumped in the ocean within, sure. you know, a hundred yards of each other. So that was, that was special. I think those two would, would be a tie for me. Sure. Uh, what, what book or books or are you, are you reading? What, what podcasts are you listening to? Uh, I'll start with podcasts, I guess. Podcasts. I listen to, uh, pardon my take. Okay. Uh, the yeah. Barstool guys, mm-hmm. um, more humorous than, than sure. learning podcasts sure. for sure. But those guys are, at, now that football season's over, I'll probably, 
put that one yeah. to the side a little bit. Um, I listen to Paul Rabel's podcast, mm-hmm. yeah, Suiting Up. Uh, I feel like he does a nice job. He does really good questions, and um, the guests he has on are, yeah. are relevant, and they're, they're right. very mindful and smart. Uh, I think his, his one with Jay Williams, I think, was yeah. one of my favorites. Um, and then books. Uh, I've got, I, I can, I, I'm tough, man. I, I, like, bounce back and forth. I, yeah. like, always reading. Sure. Um, I think, what's the, the last book I finished? Um, books that have been impactful to me in the past month, that book Legacy by James Kerr, yep. The Captain Class. Um, I don't even know. Um, the one I'm reading right now is, is called, um, shoot, it's by a guy named Baron Baptiste. It's actually about yoga. Okay. It's um, the, the art and soul of yoga or something like that. Very so cool. Just, just learning a little bit more about that. And sure. How maybe I can apply some of those techniques to, to teaching our guys. Um, one of the techniques that they focus a lot on in the yoga class is called like your dristi, which is your gaze, like your focus. Um, I think when I thought, when I think back to some of the games that I've been in the zone, quote unquote, um, you know, that focus is just like lightning sharp. Yeah. Um, so maybe trying to figure out how we can incorporate that to teaching our guys. We do talk to them a lot about breathing yeah. and controlling your breath. Um, so I'm always trying to just snag bits and pieces. I, I read a lot of articles daily. Uh, we share a lot of articles mm-hmm. am, amongst the coaching staff, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah, and it could it could range from from anything. I mean, the, sure. the topics that yeah. we, we talk about sometimes are, are very different, but I think that's important, right? To to pull information from successful people for sure, and maybe apply it to your um, your expertise so, for sure. Yeah. One of the first articles Coach Holman sent. Uh, you know, I was on that email. Was uh, a link to an article on the Players Tribune. Yeah, and it was the it was the I want to say Western Michigan football coach, and it was row the boat. Yes. Um, yes. But but I I actually emailed coach later that day because I I had never I'd never known about the Players Tribune. Yeah. I didn't know it existed, and so I just lost myself. <laughs> and so hours la- later, yeah. I emailed coach. Hey, thanks for that link. You just <laughs> wasted five hours of my day. Uh, but but it, you know, obviously, it wasn't a waste. But. Uh, yeah, I, I love um, I loved Legacy. I read that over the winter break, and uh, yeah. just just a phenomenal book. If if you ever have the chance to come to a practice or be around the squad, that's referenced probably every day yeah. in in practice or or some other way. Um, I just ordered the book that Will recommended a couple of weeks ago on Instagram. The uh, make the one about making your bed. Oh, okay. So yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. that'll be at my house today, and that's what I'm planning on reading that's on our great. road trip. Yeah, so. I, I dove into that. It's it's a quick read. It's, yeah. it's good. I mean, there's really a lot of good points you can take from that. Um, a, a book that I have to, I feel like I have to reference because it's one that I've read, you know, each year for the past probably three years. It's called The Mindful Athlete by okay. uh, George Mumford. Mm-hmm. Um, George Mumford was a guy that had a tough tough upbringing. Um, I think he was uh, addicted to drugs at some point, found himself, uh, went on to, to study psychology and, and more specifically sports psychology. And he was uh, Phil Jackson's right-hand man. So he worked with Kobe Bryant and uh, Michael Jordan and was kind of their sure. special advisor, um, their sports psychologist. And the, the, the book just really helped me become more of a, aware of, of why athletes do things on the field, how to control things that, you know, are, are, can get out of your control. Um, I think, I, you know, I used to be a guy that, again, I looked up at the scoreboard and if we were down two to nothing, 
you know, all hell would break loose in my mind. Like, sure. oh, what's what's going to happen? And I was so f- always focused on the outcome of the game. Like, I want to win so bad. I want to win more than anyone else. And uh, that doesn't always equate to, to being successful. Um, sure. It's definitely an important piece, right? If, if you're a competitor, you should want to win. Right. But um, just focusing on the process and, you know, breathing and, and doing all those little things um, – so that book, The Mindful Athlete, was, was really impactful for me. I, I, I would hope that maybe a listener would give it a shot if, if they uh, are up for a new book recommendation. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, continuing on with the, the Winter Olympics, we're, uh, we're kind of in the thick of it. You got a big smile on cool. your face. What, uh, you got a favorite sport, favorite athlete? Well, what are you watching? I'm curling. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Definitely watching some curling. Um, figuring out the strategy a little bit after our dinner Saturday night, mm-hmm. we went back and flipped on the TV and yeah. some curling was on. Um, again, the, the finesse is like, is yeah. very, very cool. Um, and There's again, a lot of, a lot of good strategy. Yeah. Strategy, like the communication mm-hmm. is, is huge. You hear them yeah. yelling out calls to each other. You know, if you're not on the same page, you, right. you could screw up a call. You could sweep the wrong way. Right. The, the, right. the block might not go where you want it. So, um, Curling's been cool. I, I love the, the the big air, the skiing, yeah. um, you know, the snowboarding. That's really cool. And then the hockey. Yeah, I'll get into which sure. is, is is pretty cool. Yeah, we were uh, watching them yesterday, and, and my daughter. We were watching uh, luge, oh, you know, sweet. which I love. Yeah. Uh, that was actually the event I went to when the Olympics were here in two thousand twelve or two thousand two. Yeah, uh, went up and saw the luge. But she goes, Dad. Can we watch the ones with the stones that they throw? <laughs> Meaning curling. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we uh, we love our our curling too. What uh, what stick are you currently playing with? What do you got? In your so I'm I'm an STX athlete. Uh, I've used STX products since I was in high school. Yeah. Um, if, for me, it just it, I love the company. I like what they stand for. Um, you know, their, their their products are great. I have a Surgeon head right now. Surgeon Seven Hundred which is their newest head, and then I'm using the Surgeon side-tie shaft. Um, again, nothing crazy. Sure. Uh, I, you know, my, my stringing, I like a, a pretty high pocket. like to get the ball out of my stick pretty quickly. Um, do, you, do you string your own sticks or you have someone else? I don't, which is – I think it's, it's sad, honestly. <laughs> I've tried a couple times. I just – I know it takes patience, and I, I just – I can't I can't stay with it. So, again, it's something that, like – is on the back shelf for sure. me to learn. Sure. Um, do you, Coach, Coach Gitz strings a pretty okay. good stick. Um, is that who strings all yours, or do you I, have I a guy? I trust him. I, okay. There's a guy at STX that, that okay. will we'll string them up and send them out to Will and myself, but uh, I trust Coach Gitz. I actually entrusted Chris Belcher, okay. a player on our team, to, to string up yeah. a stick, and, and I'm still working through that one. So we'll see if, if that one eventually becomes <laughs> nice. Maybe I found – one of our players to, to string sure. sticks here moving forward. Uh, last question. What's your favorite part about Utah? Favorite part about Utah? Uh, at the mountains. Yep. It's a simple answer. Um, I think waking up every day and, and looking up there, um, whether it's on the practice field or just, you know, driving to school. Uh, again, humility is a, is a word that I'm, I'm reminded of, right? Like, how, how small we are in comparison to, to some things um, on our planet and um, you know how, how just how wonderful those those are as um, natural I guess beings just there it doesn't get old it's been what 17 18 months since I've been out here and I still every day and, and just 
appalled by those things in, in the best way. Yeah, and and I think you know, obviously, I've I've grown up here. I've I've lived on those mountains, and uh, I think one of the parts that stands out to me is uh, a couple of things. One is how close they are. Yeah. You know, you think of a city like Denver, which is a great city, but yep. you, some days you can't even see their mountains. Uh, and then uh, I think. I think one of the parts I love is in the morning you can look to the east and you've got mountains and a great sunrise, but then in the in the night you can look to the west and we have the ochres out, yeah. and so it's just you know like a three sixty view of the mountains. Yeah. And, uh, so that's that's one of the parts that I love. Uh, it, anything else before we close? No, okay. I'm you know again this this podcast came at a great time. I'm really excited for this week for our guys to to get out. Um, you know our, our first game of the 2018 season and. Um, before you know it, it'll be summertime and we'll be back maybe talking about <laughs> Team USA before I leave for Israel. So thanks Absol- for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Where can, uh, where can people find you? Uh, Marcus Holman one. That's, that's my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty relatively active on social media. So I, I would say so whenever I open up my Instagram, it's either <laughs> you or Will yeah. in the stories. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've started, I've started kind of just throwing out a couple more posts than, than doing the story. So sure. Um, there's, a, there's a fine balance there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I, and I think, I don't think I'm in danger of, of, of crossing that line. Um, but it, I, I, I think it's cool to, to keep, you know, family in, mm-hmm. involved. You yeah. know, my, my grandmother's on Instagram oh, yeah. these days, my mom's on, on yep. Instagram. So I think it's, it's important for those people to, to, to know kind of what's going on and keep them abreast of, of what's going on out in Utah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, folks. And uh, you can follow us this weekend as we travel to Southern California. We're on Twitter at Utah Lacrosse. Facebook is uh, slash Utah Lacrosse. And then Instagram is also Utah Lacrosse. Um, thanks for tuning in. If you have any feedback, please send it, send it along. Um, if you have negative, positive, doesn't matter. We love to hear it all. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week.